Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of 21-year-old Lanisha Crowder, who was brutally murdered on August 13, 2000, in Carrollton, Georgia. When Lanisha's body was found, her two children were also in the home, and her seven-year-old son had also been attacked but miraculously survived his physical injuries. Whoever killed Lanisha left her body in the home with her two children, one of whom they also tried to kill. 22 years later, her killer has never been caught. Who killed Lanisha and why? This is Lanisha's story. Every story of someone being brutally murdered is a hard story to cover, but stories involving children are harder. This is the second story I covered where innocent children were left alive in the home where their mother had been murdered. Imagine the last images of your mother are of her being dead on the floor of your home. Imagine your last memories of her are of you trying to wake her up and putting band-aids on her wounds. Well, Lanisha's children, who are now adults, don't have to imagine. For 22 years, they have lived that reality, and no one has ever been held responsible for their mother's murder. Cases involving missing people are critical because there's always a chance that the person will be found alive. But the cases of unsolved murders are also important for the families of the murdered. When someone you love is murdered and then the person who murdered them is not caught, the families of the victims are constantly reliving the worst pain because they are still searching for answers and justice. They don't know who they can trust. They don't know if the person who murdered their loved one is standing next to them in the grocery store or the bank. Finding out who killed their loved ones for a lot of these families never stops. And much of their lives are consumed with finding out who killed their loved one. After someone is found murdered, their stories quickly fade from the headlines, and the lack of attention leads to cases becoming cold. Organizations like Uncovered have created a database of cold cases so that these cases can get more attention. I mean, there are over 200,000 cold cases in America, and cases involving Black women are the least likely to be solved. 
The combination of the lack of concern on behalf of some police departments and the lack of public interest leaves these families of Black women without justice in so many cases. We also have to keep in mind that missing person cases that turn into homicide investigations also go cold from the lack of attention these cases receive. So as we bring attention to the missing, we also have to bring attention to the unsolved murder of these women too. Their families need answers also. They need someone to care about what happened to their daughter, their mother, their sister, or their friend. I try on this show to give attention to unsolved murders as much as possible because families like Lanisha Crowder's are still searching for justice. Lanisha Crowder was born on July 21st, 1979, and grew up in the town of Carrollton, Georgia. Lanisha, known as Lane by her family and friends, was raised by her mother, Doris, who said that Lanisha was a bright, vivacious young woman. Lanisha graduated from Carrollton High School, despite being a young mother at the time. Her son, Kenneth, if I do the math correctly, was born when Lanisha was about 14 or 15 years old. Being a teenage mom can be difficult, and it can be too much for some young women to handle, but not Lanisha. She adored her son, and she loved being a mom. Everyone who knew her said that she was a devoted mother, and she also had the support of her mother, so I'm sure that helped Lanisha a lot. Not long after high school, Lanisha gave birth to her daughter, Lyric. Now, there's no information about Lanisha's relationship with her children's father, but by the year 2000, Lanisha was a single mother raising her then seven-year-old son and her two-year-old daughter. Those close to Lanisha said that she was a very social person and that she loved to make other people smile. Now, Carrollton is a small suburb of Atlanta, and according to locals, it was and still is a very tight-knit community. Despite its proximity to the larger city of Atlanta, Carrollton is the kind of place where everybody knows everybody, and most of the people in the area have lived there their whole lives. Lanisha had also been dating a man named Grady, who had started living with her and the children in Lanisha's home, according to reports. Life for Lanisha and her two children was good in Carrollton, and Lanisha was happy. She and her children were living a quiet life when a monster came into their home and destroyed everything. On Saturday, August 12, 2000, Lanisha and her children had spent the day out about in Carrollton, and they ended their day at her mom's house before leaving to head back home. Lanisha lived in a two-bedroom, ranch-style home on a really quiet street in Carrollton. According to reports, the family arrived home at around 9 p.m. Once they got in, at around 9.30, Lanisha put Kevin and Lyric to bed. And after putting the kids to bed, Lanisha made a few phone calls to friends over the next few hours with her final call ending at around midnight. According to those who spoke to Lanisha that night, everything seemed normal. Lanisha's boyfriend, Grady, wasn't home, however, because he was in jail and had been since August the 4th on an outstanding warrant. So that night, it was just Lanisha and her children that were home. Now, the next day, Sunday, no one had heard from Lanisha. It was unusual for a full day to have gone by without anyone speaking to her, but at the time, there was nothing out of the ordinary, and so people close to Lanisha may not have realized that no one had spoken to her. But by Monday, people were starting to get a little worried that no one had spoken to Lanisha since Saturday night. Now, Grady, who was in jail, of course, at the time, had been trying to call Lanisha but wasn't getting an answer. After several attempts to reach Lanisha, Grady became worried, and when Monday came and he still had not gotten in touch with Lanisha, 
he decided to call her neighbor to ask him if he had seen her and if he could go over to the house to check on Lanisha and see if everything was okay. Now, the neighbor agreed to, you know, do a welfare check on Lanisha and the children. So a little bit before 10 p.m. on Monday, the neighbor went over to Lanisha's home. According to him, he knocked on the door to the home but got no answer. And then the neighbor decided to walk around the house to see if he could look in the window to see if he could see anybody inside. And when he looked in Lanisha's bedroom window, he saw Lanisha lying on the floor, not moving. And on top of her was two-year-old Lyric, alive. Now, the neighbor was completely stunned by what he saw. And so he ran over to another neighbor's home to tell him what he found and to tell him to call 911. Neither neighbor knew at the time that Lanisha was dead or that she had been murdered. But they did know that something was very wrong. Now, when paramedics arrived at the home, it was shortly after 10 p.m. And when they entered the house, they discovered a chaotic scene. Lying on the floor of her bedroom was Lanisha, dead. And in the next bedroom over, the paramedics found seven-year-old Kenneth clinging to life. He had sustained a brutal beating and was suffering from severe head injuries. Lyric was the only one who had not been physically harmed. Kenneth, however, was fighting for his little life. And he was immediately airlifted to a children's hospital where he underwent the first of many surgeries. When police arrived on the scene, it was not immediately clear to them what had happened. I mean, they had two victims, one dead and one barely alive, but the scene before them wasn't giving them a ton of answers. They could tell that Lanisha had sustained trauma to her body, but they were not sure if they were dealing with a homicide, a suicide, or an accident. The injuries that investigators could see initially didn't appear to be the type of injuries that would kill someone. But as police processed the scene, they also didn't find any signs of forced entry. Nothing was missing, and so they didn't believe that this was a robbery. Investigators were able to collect evidence from the scene, including the weapon that they believed was used in the attack. The evidence collected gave them some hope in those early days that they would be able to find Lanisha's killer. Now, after being found in the home, Lyric was placed into custody with Child Protective Services briefly, and she was interviewed by investigators. According to the detectives on the case at the time, they believed that since they had no idea who killed Lanisha and tried to kill Kenneth, that they thought that Lyric would be safest at that point in the custody of CPS. They feared that whoever killed Lanisha found out, you know, if they found out that the children were still alive, that they might come back to try to finish the job. Investigators said that they tried to interview Lyric the best that they could, but she was two at the time. And she had just spent the past 36 hours in the home with her mother's body and severely injured brother. And so it's not surprising that her ability to help this investigation was limited. When detectives looked into Lanisha's phone record, they discovered that she had ended her calls at around midnight on Sunday. And so they believed that sometime in the early morning hours of Sunday, August 13th, Lanisha was killed and Kenneth was attacked. They also believed that the killer or killers thought that Kenneth was dead when they left. With no evidence of a break-in and nothing missing from the home, investigators had no idea why someone would attack Lanisha and her son. While Kenneth fought for his life in the hospital, investigators spoke to people close to Lanisha to try to get an idea about what had happened to her. But no one in Lanisha's life had anything bad to say about her. 
And no one could imagine why anyone would want her, let alone her seven-year-old son, dead. Lanisha was living a quiet life with her children. She wasn't involved in anything that would lead authorities to believe would have caused her death. When the autopsy came back, Lanisha's death was officially ruled a homicide, and her cause of death was blunt force trauma. Someone had beaten Lanisha to death. At first, investigators were confident that they would be able to solve this case. But in the weeks after Lanisha's murder, the possibility that this case would be quickly solved began to move further out of reach. Let's be real. Adulting is BS. It's an onslaught of WTFs at least 20 times a day. Sometimes we just need a break from the day-to-day drab. Maybe a couple of cuss words, a middle finger or two, or a few great laughs. Whatever it takes to put adulting in timeout. You need smartass and sass. The subscription box that will say everything you need to say so your mouth doesn't have to. Smartass and sass items are curated and personally tested by the SNS team. A group of really mouthy people who want you to get a good laugh in your day. SNS partners with some of the best small businesses to bring you trendy and snarky items each month. I got my first box last week and I'm in love. The Smart Ass and Sass box is full of amazing and useful products. My favorite was the makeup brushes that came in the cutest pouch. So if you're looking for a monthly subscription box that will brighten up your day once a month, then you have to try Smart Ass and Sass. The big box is $54.95, and each big box contains one SNS design t-shirt, has between seven to nine unique items, and is valued at over $90. But there are other subscription sizes available. Subscribe at www.smartassandsass.com and use code GIRLGONE for 10% off your first subscription order. Follow Smart Ass and Sass on social media for your daily dose of attitude. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? I'm a huge believer in self-care. I fully believe that you cannot pour from an empty cup. And so as a mom and a wife, it's super important for me to take care of me. And this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. I believe that therapy is a valuable tool and more and more of us are experiencing the benefits of therapy in our everyday lives. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Black Girl Gone listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash girlgone. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash girlgone. On August 14th, 2000, The body of 21-year-old Lanisha Crowder was found after she'd been beaten to death inside her home in Carrollton, Georgia. Both of Lanisha's young children were inside the home, and her 7-year-old son, Kenneth, had also been beaten and sustained life-threatening injuries, but managed to survive. In the weeks and months following Lanisha's murder, investigators had been trying to determine a motive for the murder and attack, but they were coming up short. 
After speaking to people close to Lanisha and people around Carrollton, they were unable to establish a why anyone would want to hurt Lanisha. The most obvious suspect would be the person that Lanisha was in a relationship with. But remember, he had an alibi, the county jail. And so there was no way that he could have been the person who committed this murder. And so with her intimate partner ruled out, all of the obvious reasons for something like this to happen were just not there. The absence of forced entry, however, led investigators to believe that perhaps the killer was someone who Lanisha knew. There are details about this case that investigators have not released. They say that certain information, like things only the killer would know, are being withheld to uphold the integrity of the investigation. And so there are many things about what happened to Lanisha that night that are just not public knowledge. In the months after Lanisha was murdered, her son Kenneth recovered from his injuries, including a traumatic brain injury. He and his sister Lyric moved in with their grandmother Doris, who eventually was granted full custody of the children after her daughter's murder. As you can imagine, it was an extremely difficult time for Doris and the children. They had just lost their mother and daughter in a very brutal way, and Kenneth had nearly lost his life also. After months of waiting for justice, no one was being held accountable for what happened to this family. Doris was forced to quit her job of 20 years so that she could take care of her grandchildren who were suffering from nightmares from the night that their mother was murdered. As Kenneth healed from his physical injuries, memories from that night began to come back to him. And both children were suffering from trauma of what they had gone through. Doris was convinced that someone in Carrollton had committed the murder. She had a hard time believing that someone came from outside their town to beat her daughter to death. But it wasn't just her instinct telling her this. People in the community had begun to talk. And like in most small towns, rumors spread fast. Doris had been approached by several people telling her things that led her to believe that the person who murdered Lanisha was from Carrollton. And they were still there. Doris also recalled several occasions where people walked up to her while she was with the children, saying things right in front of them about their mother's murder, scaring them for no reason. Investigators, however, still were not finding anything to lead them to arresting the killer. In the year after Lanisha was murdered, her family was no closer to getting answers than they were the day that she was found dead. Investigators say that they were continuing to follow leads and investigate this case, but despite having some physical evidence from the scene and other critical facts only the killer would know, they still had no suspects. They didn't even have a person of interest, at least not one that they would name publicly. Now, after having to quit her job of 20 years, Doris struggled to make ends meet. She did the best that she could to raise Kenneth and Lyric under the circumstances that they were all dealing with. Both Kenneth and Lyric would tell Doris about the things that they remembered from that night. And even as the years went by, the memories of what happened that night never faded. Their mother's murder is permanently burned into their memories. Lanisha's case received very little attention from the media. I could only find the story mentioned in the newspaper, The Atlantic Constitution, in August and September of 2020, and then 11 Alive in Atlanta, but I couldn't find any other news coverage of her story or the investigation that followed. Now, granted, at this point, it has been 22 years, but it's still very odd that this case has not gotten more attention. Even after the family's been pleading for more attention, it still hasn't been a story that the local media has shown very much concern for. 
In the years following their mother's murder, Kenneth and Lyric have tried their best to lead normal lives. Kenneth had sustained a traumatic brain injury, but he was thriving. Lanisha's family never gave up hope of finding her killer. Even though no one was talking about what happened to Lanisha on the news, her family was not going to give up. In 2015, 15 years after Lanisha's murder, her story was featured in USA Today. At that time, Lyric was a senior in high school and Kenneth was 22 years old. But their mother's murder and the fact that her killer had not been caught weighed very heavily on them. Kenneth said this during that interview. I'm glad um, they spared me because I was in uh, I was in the way then and my mom just my mom was uh, laying down. They were trying to hurt lyrics. So I, so I told I told her to run. And then I was trying to push him off. The pain for Kenneth was still very raw. During that 2015 interview, Lyric said that, quote, I remember it vividly. I know their faces. I know what they were wearing. Even 15 years later, Lanisha's children, who were then young adults, just wanted answers. But police didn't seem to have any new information about Lanisha's murder. They said that they had looked at her boyfriend, whose alibi, of course, checked out, as well as other people she had spoke to on the phone that night. But they also said that they did not have enough evidence to make an arrest in the case. The case was still open, and so detectives would not release any more information. For the next five years, no information was released regarding Lanisha's case. Like I said before, even in the immediate aftermath of her murder, it seemed like there was very little coverage of her murder. And with no information coming out or being released, there wasn't really much to report on. Of course, it's very frustrating when you're trying to tell the story. I mean, the fact that a mother was murdered and her son was brutally attacked should have been a major news story. I mean, I understand upholding the integrity of the investigation, but after 22 years, why hasn't there been more information released? It's truly my belief that information sparks interest. If you give the public something, they are more likely to want to get involved. But if you're not releasing any information, if you're not telling the public that the case is still open, then how are they supposed to help? In February 2020, 11 Alive in Atlanta featured Lanisha's story. 20 years later, her family again was asking the public for help and trying to get renewed interest in her case. By then, Lyric was 22 years old and her brother Kenneth was in his late 20s. And during that interview, Lyric said this about what she remembered from that night. I remember that feeling of, is my brother and my mom okay? I just remember trying to, you know, comfort them afterwards. A lot of people think that young children would forget something like this, or they wouldn't remember. But to that, Lyric said this. You think about other children who go through that. Like, they're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. And, and when people sit there and say, oh, they're not going to really remember it. They do. They really do. The family hoped that someone would come forward and tell them something. But as of today, Lanisha's killer is still free. There are no new updates, and so it's unknown where they are in the investigation. But we do know that it's been nearly 22 years since someone brutally murdered Lanisha and attacked her seven-year-old son, leaving him to die. For the past two decades, Lanisha's family has tried desperately to get answers about who killed her and why. 
Doris, Lanisha's mom, still believes that someone in Carrollton was involved in the murder. And she believes that some witnesses are just afraid to come forward and say what they know. The tragic murder of Lanisha Crowder was a devastating loss for her family. Not only did her children lose their mother, but Kenneth, who was only seven years old at the time, was also brutally attacked. And he has had to spend his life living with the physical injuries from that night. Lyric was just two years old. And when they found Lanisha, there were boxes of band-aids near her body from where Lyric had been trying to fix her mother's wounds. They have tried to move on with their lives, but knowing their mother's killer has been free this whole time has always been a part of their lives. The hardest part to figure out about what happened to Lanisha is why. The information that exists doesn't give you enough to even create a theory about what could have happened. In a lot of these cases, there is at least one theory out there in the public. But in this case, we really have no idea why someone would want to kill Lanisha. With no evidence of forced entry, it's possible that Lanisha let her killer enter her home unknowingly. Investigators say that they don't believe that this was a planned attack and that it took place in the heat of the moment. But that still doesn't answer the question why. What could Lanisha have done to cause someone to beat her to death while her children were home and then try to kill her son? Were they afraid that the seven-year-old will be able to identify them? And is that why he was also attacked? Sadly, those are questions we just don't have answers to. Lanisha was just 21 years old when she was taken. Although she was a mother of two, Lanisha had not even begun to live her life. She may have gotten married by now. She may have had more children, perhaps built a successful career doing something that she loved. But all of that was stolen from her and her children. Thankfully for Kenneth and Lyric, they had Doris, and so they didn't have to grow up in the system. But nothing will ever replace having a mother. After 22 years, Lanisha's case needs more attention. There are people who know what happened to Lanisha and who killed her. Her family deserves to know who killed her and why. Lanisha's case is cold. But if you have any information about her murder or anything that may help lead to new information, you can contact the Carroll County Police Department or the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. May Lanisha Crowder rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We will be back next week with a brand new story. Join us on Patreon for exclusive mini-sodes and ad-free episodes. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Listening on Apple Podcasts? Show your support for the show by leaving a review and a five-star rating. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.